What's up, guys? Welcome to the Humans of MarTech podcast. His name is John Taylor. My name is Phil Gamash. Our mission is to future-proof the humans behind the tech so you can have a successful and happy career in marketing. Okay, here we are. The end of the MarTech saga on Lifecycle. It's the end. To- JT, this has been fun. Yeah, this is this is a, an experiment for us doing a five a five episode uh, journey on one topic. We wanted to end on a lighter note um, and and integrate some of the experiences that I've had and Phil's had in our both our consulting and our in house careers. So here's today's main ep, uh, main takeaway: every MOPS and CRM needs a life cycle in some form or other. You can't escape having to deploy this at some point in your career if you're in the operations side. However, you cannot make life cycle work long term if you do not partner with your sales team. And this means not dictating to them, not just simply training them, not getting buy-in. You've got to partner with your sales team, right? You got to have conversations with them uh, to make this work. And one of the big things that I've seen in my career is over-engineering lifecycle and underthinking the sales component. So in this episode, we're going to unpack some of that. Uh, there's a little bit of humor in this episode, so let's dive in. Let's dive in, JT. Um... I uh, I don't know if you're cool with this, but I'll I'll start off with uh, a bit of an anecdote, like on on my personal uh, or I guess professional career. So one of one of the first times that I've dealt with rolling out a lead scoring program was uh, very early in my career. I was uh, a young marketer, uh, <laughs> fresh grad basically, and like I just taken this webinar in in Pardot about how to roll out lead scoring and like um, you know what negative scores to give, like scoring decay over time, like. I I put on my hat about like becoming this expert in in lead scoring and talked to my boss about it and you know I had buy-in from the marketing team and uh, you know I hadn't involved the sales team at all so far in the process and I was pitching this to the leadership team and they gave me thumbs up and then I was presenting it to the sales team as kind of like the final part of the project and uh, I almost got laughed out of the room like <laughs> folks were just like I was working with like very um i wouldn't say like old school sales reps but like sales reps that have been crushing it for like 20 odd years in their careers right so they're sitting there like doing what they usually do and crushing it for the business and then this kid from university comes in and starts telling them that like they need to only focus on leads that have this specific number next to them so i was laughed out of the room and um it, it never really kind of worked after that like having the lead scoring system set up as this idea that came from marketing and marketing was trying to like push this down into sales and um so anyways like i love the point that you make about like working with sales as you're building out this this program and even though the sales guys are like focused on crushing goals and and driving growth for the company like there is a lot of value in taking time and making sure that like they're bought into this process way before you're ready to like start deploying any of this stuff there's an art form to pitching projects internally and again i I think back to the episode with with brian leonard talking about the engineering team and how marketers go to engineering like i got a great idea we're going to change the universe and sales teams are equally resistant to this kind of bs from marketers and we're and we're awful at understanding this and seeing this in our own life like we're like (laughs) you idiots like weren't you on that part of webinar like their salesperson totally got this right and you're like it is valuable and, and i do believe in it but at the end of the day, you're not making the right case over to the sales team. And I think this kind of touches on one of the main points I wanted to, to talk about, which is 
who leads this internally. Most of the time it's marketing who's leading a lifecycle deployment. And the one of the problems with this is, is that you walk over to your sales team and you go, hey, I got a great idea, an epic project that's going to take us six to eight weeks. I need, I need all the sales team involved. I need to talk to the head of sales. I need you guys to commit to, you know, a bunch of meetings and a bunch of workflows. And yeah, it, it'll be awesome. And they're like, why are you doing this? You're like, because we're going to need to understand and control our database. And they're like, who is this fool? Like, what is sales he is like, you lost me at, we need all salespeople to do this. Yeah. And like, you got to understand how the sales team sees themselves. First of all, sales team sees themselves as revenue drivers. Right. And they're evaluating whatever you're saying to them as a distraction from driving revenue and putting cash in the bank of the business. And yep. if you can't communicate along that line to them, you're not going to get anywhere. You have to be able to understand what is the value proposition of this to them? Like what's in it for them, with them, right? What's in it for me? Um, if you can come up with that for the sales team, you'll get buy-in. They, if, if you're showing them how you're going to do the work for you know, the majority of the project, you're going to lead the project. So show them how you're going to lead, you know, be an effective leader right from the start. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you really do have to center the thing around what, what motivates your sales team. And I think for a lot of sales teams, they, they see their high value activities of being on the phone with customers. Like that's yeah. how you close deals. Um, yeah. uh, not, you know, getting into the ivory tower and talking life cycle with Phil and John. <laughs> no, I think um, you touched, you touched exactly on what I was going to say next. Like you, like the first step of, of any type of like life cycle program or, or lead scoring is to like marketing, getting a better understanding of the world of your sales reps. So mm-hmm. like, um, I, I think that like one of the ways, um, so like I've <laughs> that my anecdote is like the first time that I've done this. So like the, the most recent time that I've done this was uh, a, a lot better process. And it, it, I started everything off with a conversation with sales and not even like the head of sales or like the sales manager. Um, I'm talking about the frontline guys, like mm-hmm. spending time, like shadowing calls or just like if you're if you're in an office in, in post COVID world, like actually shadowing those those sales reps. And like if, if they're cool with it, like jumping in on their calls like looking at what emails are doing like how does the day look like on uh, a normal day for for your sales rep and like I like starting off with that activity because it really like creates this sense of empathy that marketing has for sales Uh, the sales rep like it doesn't just get to say like oh this doesn't make sense because you don't understand my world like okay wait a second like I'll, I'll take time to understand what the marketer is trying to do here because he took time to understand like what my world is like Yep. And like, so as you're doing that, like you're asking questions about like, what pains are you having? Um, like, what do you like, what are the friction points? Like, are there too much data entry things like blah, blah, blah. Like there's a lot of things that piss off sales reps. And so mm-hmm. like, there's a lot of little things that they could have that makes their day a lot better. And like, you keep those in your back pocket and maybe they're part of like your rollout in, in the lead scoring process. Right. Yeah. you like, I'm, if you can identify points of friction, it's really a sensitive thing. I've, I've sat in a lot of sales calls in my career as well, and I still I still enjoy to do it from time to time. Um, you know, you got to be careful with with sitting in with your sales team. Like it's tempting sometimes. Like I remember sitting in on a sales call and the sales rep in question talked like 98% of the time on the call. And I was like, oh my goodness, I can't believe this is happening. Like it was the most, it was a brutal demo and I had to keep my mouth shut and just move on. Like like it does me no good to to reach into the sales process too much. So you've got to balance like that that like 
you know, ratting on them and saying like, oh God, they're terrible. Um, one thing I want to mention too around this type of a project is if you're looking at deploying this type of project, there's transition points when your buy-in with sales will be very high. And like the three transition points that I've seen frequently is you're switching platforms. So, you know, you're moving from a HubSpot to a Marketo, a Marketo to a HubSpot or to Pardot or customer.io mm -hmm. or whatever, close. Like all of these things are, are awesome opportunities for you to kind of say, well, we're, we're already in the system. Right. Um, and the, a new leadership team comes on, like if there's a new sales leader or there's a new marketing leader, like, hey, look, this is this is important. It's transformative. It gives you an opportunity to do better reporting. Like, hey, we need this. And I'd also offer like a new product lineup. Like sometimes when you're introducing a new product, um, it offers an opportunity to rethink your sales cycle and your buying cycle. So it gives you an opportunity to jump in and say there's an opportunity to 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 optimize on this. So. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll add another one in there. I'd, I'd also say like uh, an SMB company that is starting to grow and really starts to invest more in their marketing team. And like you join the company as the first marketing ops hire and mm -hmm. there, there is maybe like some type of lead scoring or life cycle, but like it, you're putting on your hat of like owning this project. Um, so that's another opportunity there. Yeah, exactly. And I think this is like back to my centering point of if sales isn't bought into this project and you're not able to get buy-in and partnership with with across the organization on this project, it's not valuable full stop, right? There's a stage where you need a life cycle and there's a stage when you can get by without it. Yeah. If you're in a if you're, you know, marketer number one in a 10 person company, you know, going into life cycle mode, probably not super valuable. Yeah, not not a high priority at that point. Probably <laughs> yeah. other shit on your plate. Yeah, uh, and it can be it can be a painful project. So sales has has got to see the value in this um, and partner with you over the long term on this. Yeah, yeah, totally. So what what are your your tips on like involving sales in the process of this? Like how how much involvement do they have in the process? Like I mentioned, I like to start off with like um, getting that empathy of like seeing what yeah. their day is like and their pain points or whatever. But like, if you're coming up with the stages, you're coming up with like the, the rough model and then you're pitching it to sales and you're getting feedback and you're iterating or like, mm -hmm. how does, how does that process look like for you? Yeah. I mean, it changes, depends on the team. Um, my, yeah. like if I were to templatize this process and put it into like a ebook format, I would say the first step for me is actually looking at what they're currently doing and mapping it out in Lucidchart and saying like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to document what you're doing. I want to understand it. I want to understand the value points across it. And what you notice in that process, like nine times out of 10, when I've done this with the sales and marketing teams, like as a consultant, particularly, they're already suggesting, oh yeah, this isn't a great process or yeah, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like, I don't remember why we're doing this. Like, oh, we brought this sales consultant in <laughs> 10 years ago and he created yeah. all these properties and <laughs> they immediately like, oh yeah, okay. Like, you're taking the time to understand what's currently in, in existence as opposed to just reinventing the wheel. It's so much easier to reinvent the wheel and start new, but it's the worst way to do things in, in organizations. Um, and, and these things take time. So I think that's step number one. I think step number two is being well-organized on your project management, being explicit around what you need from sales. Like when I say partner with sales, I don't mean just like, you know, every step of the way you need a salesperson involved in the meeting you don't like good project managers say hey you know you guys aren't needed yet we'll let you know when you're needed and be predictive you know oh yeah we're, we'll need you in two weeks we're going to do a session on lead scoring we want to talk about the best value leads and we're going to bring some analysis to to help you understand what have we seen on the marketing side that converts um i think having that well sketched out i think also doing 
the legwork. You're leading this project. So be the expert on this project. Uh, you know, tell people exactly what steps are going to come um, on the project and make sure that they know when they're going to be involved and consulted. Um, I think those are re- all, all things that I've seen work very well for me in my career on, on deploying a life cycle. So if I'm a listener and uh, I just listened to the, the theory that you just um, said, and I'm trying to like roll this out at my company, uh, one of the things that um, I'm likely going to be faced with is pushback, right? So the sales team is living in a world right now. They have a process, like maybe there's a couple pain points or whatever, but what you're introducing is like we said a little bit, like a distraction to their day to day. Like they have a rhythm to their day. They, they have leads to follow up with. And so like you're introducing friction in that sense. So like you're going to be faced with pushback yep. from sales. Maybe, maybe not from everyone on the sales team. Like some of them might be like, yes, please. Like, thank God. I was like, I needed this. I was asking for this for for a long time, but mm-hmm. that's probably in the minority of, of, of your group of sales, right? Like they have the quota to hit and they have the mandate and they're just like, yeah, like I don't have a ton of time to do this. Like what is this process? Are you asking yeah. more of my time, whatever? So how, or maybe, maybe we can talk about like, um, some of the, the rabbit holes that, that we've had to go through with some of the pushback or you yeah. know, like going off the rails a little bit. Well, and I would say like, to, to answer your question, like, if you're facing resistance and oftentimes like as a consultant, somebody's already paid me to come in to do this. So they've already dealt with some of this internally when I've faced, faced friction on this as I come back with a report, right. And I show here's the art of the possible. Why are we doing life cycle? So I can understand where my MQLs come from. I can understand the probability of an MQL closing so that I can determine pipeline by campaign. Right. And then these things start to go, Oh, so you're saying if we deploy lifecycle marketing, it can be more effective at getting me more leads, which will help my commission paycheck, which will help everybody in this business. Like, all oh, right, sounds good. Everyone wants to make more money. Um, and I think like you, it's incumbent on you, the marketer, uh, the leader of this project to actually take the extra step and be like, you know, discovery is a long stage, right? Spend that time, build a report, show how this data should go. And then you'll have kind of a roadmap to get yourself going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the art of the possible is uh, a nice thing to, to kind of introduce as, as part of the process. Like it should be part of the, the early discussions with sales. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, there's going to be a bit of work involved on, on your team to kind of like set this up with us. But like, this is our end game. Like, this is what we're trying to build. And this is how easier your life is once the, the art of the possible is like in place. So and then what I'll say is actually where this thing goes off the rails is about the midpoint or just after deployment. And so I've got so many examples of, of, <laughs> of shit marketers do to salespeople. And this is all like you got buy in. You're like, oh, man, I'm king of the world. And then you're like, yeah, I've got some ideas. And that's that's what like famous last words for us marketers, right? Like, oh, I got an idea. Like we got to automate everything. <laughs> so I'm going to give you guys some examples of things that I've seen and go off off the roads. And my personal favorite is taking your uh, a place I like to call Alert City. Okay. So you take your you take your reps to Alert City and you're like, you know what? These reps, what they really need in their CRM is more alerts. They need, they need like as many alerts as possible. Like a new lead comes in and it's like, boom, established band, budget, authority, need, timing. It's like no alert, no rep has ever needed to establish budget. And if they do, they need to be fired. <laughs> you know, a, a, a lead like breeze on your pricing, pricing page. And next thing you know, it's like 10 alerts. Like <laughs> you go into some of these instances and I've seen this in, in my 
consulting career and you're like, you look at the alerts in, in the alert tab and there's like, how many alerts are there per rep? There's like 58,000 and you're like, whoa, <laughs> no wonder these guys are never going to open their tasks in, in alerts because, you know, they're, they're a member of Alert City. So don't do that. Yeah, Alert City and like Task City as well, like creating tasks in the CRM because oh, yeah. like this person filled out that form. Like what you're doing essentially by by creating this like noise of like notifications to sales is you're basically introducing the the behavior that like they should ignore that right like it's yeah. it's not that important the first ones kind of come in they get really used to it and then like there's just bombardment of like uh what you call the alert city right so oh, yeah um like folks my, are going to pay less and less attention to that shit oh and my favorite is like you take the reps to alert city and then they're, they're not checking off their tasks so you're like you know what? Screw you. And then you start sending alerts to their manager. <laughs> and I've seen this before where it's like, you know, three days later, you haven't followed up with this lead. Then it's like, I'm sending a message to the director of sales. And then the director of sales ignores that. Then you say, fuck this. I'm sending this to the CEO. And next thing you know, you'll be like, you know, broadcasting this online. It's like, you know, you got to be empathetic towards the salesperson situation. Ask yourself the question. Sometimes salespeople bother. It's irritating to watch like, oh man, these guys don't follow anything. <laughs> but are they closing, right? At the end of the day, salespeople, if, if they close, they close and we just kind of accept and, and, and deal with it. So don't worry about Alert City. Um, yeah, let, let's actually talk about this for a sec. Like let's, let's say that they're not closing or they're not like performing or hitting numbers as well as we can. And we're like maybe two or three months into deploying uh, a life cycle model and maybe there's there's kind of like this um like a lot of these bigger teams with like marketing and sales there's this sla like a service yeah. line agreement between the two departments and uh after this has kind of like been rolled out there is an understanding that um when something happens marketing is going to do this and when something happens when marketing says that this is an mql and they're passing this over to sales that sales is going to click on that lead. They're going to change the status to accepted after oh, looking yeah. at the details. After the first phone call, they're going to need to add notes on that record. And if there's an opportunity, they need to create an opportunity. They need to create a task to follow up. Like there's a lot of like steps that um, in, in terms of this process are, are part of the this SLA. So like, let's say that we're in, this has been the case with me in a few times, like let's say you're deploying this lifecycle program and you're like two or three months into it. And there's a couple of like bad apples on the sales mm -hmm. teams that are not following procedures. Like the yeah. agreement was that like you're starting with your A leads and you need to follow up with all your A leads. But let's say that like three months into this, you're looking at data and you're seeing that like, out of the six sales reps on the team, two of them haven't followed up with like half of their A leads. Yep. How do you how do you handle that that process oh, going off the rails there? I mean, this is this is where uh, hopefully you have a partner in sales that that is dealing with these bad apples because it's not your job to deal with these bad apples. Yeah. You're not going to make a lot of friends by calling these bad apples out either. The whole sales team watches you as you're like, hey, you know, this guy didn't follow up with his A leads. You know, son of a gun. And then everybody on sales is like, what is this guy doing creeping all my leads? Like the number one lesson I've learned in my past on a, a, a briefly led a sales team was don't screw with people's leads. Like even if they're leaving them there, you've, you know, organizationally, you've got to, you know, address this at, at a blanket level. Yeah. got to have a sales manager, a sales director who's, who's monitoring their team. Any the top performing sales team won't put up with multiple months of not hitting quota. They'll, you know, yeah. you, you'll be on the other side of this. The other flip side is, is like, 
how do you get people to actually do all these data entry points? This is one of the classic mistakes that I've seen is, and I've done, by the way, uh, if you're a salesperson who's worked for me and I've done this to you, I'm sorry, um, <laughs> but not really because there's some data points that's needed across across the funnel. So for instance, right, uh, you open up an opportunity and for the lifecycle purposes, you require certain data fields to be updated, right? Like it's actually really important to know additional information when you've got somebody on the call, like let's say it's a use case question, right? You think this person's in persona A uh, and they fit in this segment. Then you have your salesperson on the phone with them. They open up a deal. The deal is a large deal, right? Like they're not opening a ton of deals every month. And you say, hey, can you add use case or application? I need to know, like, just fill out this text field. Give me a couple words, a blurb on how they're going to use this because I'm going to use this, reverse engineer this to get more of these types of people for you if they close. And so like these kind of micro data points that we're asking of salespeople, like I have asked salespeople to, you know, uh, just like Alert City, take them to, to data, data Entryville where it's like, oh my God, like what is my job? Is it to fill out and click buttons in HubSpot or Salesforce or is it to talk to people on the phone? Yeah. So the, the, the way that I've dealt with this in the past is uh, either suggesting or when I was when I was leading a sales team was to actually say, well, you don't fill out your data, you don't get compensated for it, right? You only get compensated for fully completed deals. And this is like, and I would look through and say, you know, your deal amounts are incorrect. You you didn't you didn't put the product that was sold. You didn't add if we asked for you know ancillary information like use case or application. You didn't fill this out. So it comes off your paycheck. Like you're not getting compensated for these leads and you won't hit quota. And you know that that is a harsh, that is like the, the stick for sure. Um, motivating. But it's it's like, this is the new system, right? And sometimes there's a new system that requires a little bit of this work. Now, I have also characterized it the other way, which is there's a new system. So we're going to do, you know, sales bingo and we're going to have like sales, easy sales prizes that'll go out for you just literally filling out your data and to build these types of habits. And, you know, a lot of organizations and maybe marketers listening now are like, oh man, salespeople, they're coin operated. Well, they are. I mean, that's that's their nature, right? That's why people go into sales and become professional salespeople. Right. Um, and you've got to know what motivates your team as well. Again, I've had the luxury of managing a sales team and, and, and the marketing team so I could kind of sit on top of both and, and make them do do things. Um, in theory, I did at least. Um, but like having this partnership and having these types of ideas in your head of saying like, hey, well, what, what, what if we have a sales run a sales spiff that's very specific to, you know, hey, we've new life cycle. Let's build some habits. Yeah, I like that. That's kind of like a an extreme use case. Like if you know for a fact that like the the guys on the sales team are like not following procedures and it's not like an error it's just based on either laziness or or whatever right like i i would argue that like before you get to that stage of like you're you're only getting paid if you do all these these stages like um part of it for me was like understanding like once you roll out the life cycle program like you're not just like sitting behind the scenes and waiting to look at the data and then like you get to like point at people that like aren't doing specific things like you roll out the life cycle program and then you sit with each sales rep like you mm -hmm. get feedback from each sales rep and before you go to the sales manager and you say like hey sales rep a and b aren't following up with like the the right people that we had this sla as part of you talk to those people first, right? So like having that discussion with sales rep A who isn't following up with all their A leads, it's actually quite often the case where 
they just didn't follow ex- ex- instructions or you didn't yep. communicate the right instructions. And like yep. they were looking at the wrong lead list or yep. they were creating the wrong filter or like they were starting off in a different view or whatever. Like it's usually a mistake that um, you can kind of correct right off the bat. It's all, it's not always the case, right? Like um, it might be a situation where the sales rep is just like, nah, like I'm not willing to do that because I need to do this and do that and do this. And yep. so this like presents still a, a really good piece of feedback for you because, yep. um, you know, we mentioned like there's, there's a good reason to not automate everything, obviously, when you're trying to like uh, do qualification, but there's a lot to be said in the automation process of marketing, making it as easy as possible for the sales team from a data entry perspective, right? Like uh, not to get into like the, 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 the specific discussions about like CRM comparisons, but like, you know, Salesforce is tricky. You need to have consultants on board and like multiple third parties to, to automate a lot of that data entry. Like most of the Salesforce customers I've seen are like, there's a lot of that ask upfront, right? Like there, yep. but there's a lot of easier CRMs out there and like not, not to pitch like close, but like close makes data entry way, way easier for sales reps. Like it's less mm-hmm. about like instructing the system on like where a deal is or like what is happening. And it's more of like this hands-off CRM where like you focus on calling, you focus on emailing. And as you're progressing leads, like the status will change automatically or like call recording will automatically get added to that lead. Like Mm -hmm. there are ways where marketers can make it way easier for sales reps on that, like that data entry perspective. Yeah. And you, uh, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. You hit upon something that I just want to make a quick point on, which is, you know, in the business world, there should be no big surprises, right? When you deploy lifecycle, if if any sales rep is surprised, it's because you failed to to train them. And if you train them and they're still surprised, well, okay, then talk to their sales manager and and, and shame them. So I think, I think you touched on another point. And this is probably should be our, our last point on this episode is like, automating the crap out of everything. Like there's so much opportunity like to automate this and automate that. And I've seen this where it's like, you know, you're looking at replies to emails or emails being sent and progressing people to different stages or moving things. Like you've got to have a really light touch on your automation to make this thing, this whole thing work. And I like you know, your introduction around close, like haven't worked with this system, but there is a lot of things that could be easily automated just by default in this system that in other systems aren't right. And, and it's kind of by design. And I think when you're looking at like, uh, like the types of automation that you do, less is more until it's requested, right? Like don't just go and like, auto send emails like hey somebody accepts somebody who's an sql be like oh fuck i'll send them into this nurture stream for you you know every every salesperson likes it when marketing does extra communications to customers or you like select something from a drop down and then all of a sudden the stages all update there yeah. are smart pieces of automation that can be done data entry time stamping campaign information attribution data that's all good but sometimes you do need like we still are humans. We still need to actually touch these systems and move people along a, a journey. Yeah, totally. So lots of uh, opportunities for going off the rails as, as a marketer who's kind of rolling out a uh, life cycle. We've, we've gone through a lot uh, in, in the past couple of episodes for this uh, MarTech saga. So we, we kind of started off with like the what and the why of life cycle. Why as a marketer, you would roll out this program and like, why it's kind of a good opportunity for you to to kind of spearhead that um, as a marketer in your company, um, and then we touched on in the second episode how to like not overthink lifecycle and how to actually implement it, and we followed that with um, 
a basic uh, life cycle that actually works and how to implement that in your system. You gave us your, your formula on how to do that. Uh, then we covered like how to pick in the right scoring model. Um, so we did that in the last episode. What is the difference between predictive lead scoring models and uh, doing kind of like scoring or grading? And then uh, we just finished off with uh, how to work uh, a bit more in line with your sales team as you're, you're deploying this and, and how to do this in a way where uh, you're not harming the spirits of uh, folks on the sales side. Yeah. And this is this is a cool project. I think that a lot of folks who are more into the operation side of MarTech will run into this in some shape or form. So I hope you found the, the series helpful. There's endless topics on Lifecycle that I could riff on all day, but let's leave it here. And uh, if you have any feedback on this on this saga, did you like the five episode mini saga? Is there anything that we would uh, you'd like us to touch on when it comes to Lifecycle and operations? Let us know. Thanks for listening, guys. I'll talk to you very soon. Boom. Done.